don't you find your seat and, and uh, let's open our Bibles together. And I want us to go uh, to the book of Ephesians today. We are in Ephesians. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, one of our ushers is coming around. They would love to uh, give you one. Or you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. We are in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And we are continuing to preach through our, our six distinctives of a worshiping and sending church. These are the things that we are committed to pursuing together at Harvest. We're just trying to get after our DNA. This is who we are. This is who we're, what we're all about. Okay, And uh, so we're on our fifth distinctive. We've already preached through passionate worship and bold preaching, fervent prayer. Uh, Last week we looked at courageous evangelism. Today we look at purposeful disciple making, and then next week we'll finish out with strategic church planting. But these these are the distinctives of a worshiping and sending church, because the vertical worship of our God uh, propels the horizontal advancement of the mission. And And if we are going to be a worshiping and sending church, Uh, then that means that you need to love Christ and live sent. That's that's what it means for you, to live sent. We've been thinking about um, what that means for us here in in Northern Virginia, just trying to contextualize that. And I I think it's pretty obvious um, that Northern Virginia is kind of an intentional culture. People here live on purpose. In fact, um, most of you are probably not from here. You moved here for a reason. Um, and, and, and this culture is not really for everybody. It's really challenging, but you were willing to kind of uh, brave the culture shock and the traffic and all of the intensity because you were drawn to uh, the, 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 the influence of this community with all of its uh, political and international and economic influence. You came here for a reason. I know some of you are sitting here thinking like, nah, man, I, I just moved here because my job moved me here. Or, or the military brought me here. I honestly didn't want to be here. But yeah, yeah, even if that's true, okay, you chose that job for a reason. You picked that career for more than just a paycheck. I know you did because you wanted to be a part of something bigger than just yourself. You wanted to do something that matters. You wanted to make a difference. I think it's true of all of us that, that we want our lives to matter. We want to live with purpose. And I don't think it's going to be a surprise for any of you that I would tell you that it's really only Jesus that offers a life of purpose. So we've been thinking about the fact that um, God sent you here. And I'm so glad he did. For however long we get you, I am so glad that God sent you here and he sent you here to be on mission. And um, we, we talk about the Great Commission a lot. In fact, I've got it for you on the screen, Matthew chapter 28. I hope that this just kind of oozes out of us. This is really driving us. Uh, but Jesus gives us this Great Commission, Matthew 28. He says, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice he does not say uh, the command is not to be disciples. The command is to make disciples. And so what we're kind of looking at this morning is what, what does that look like for you? How, how, how do you do that? We're talking about purposeful disciple making. 
What it means if you're really going to get after that is that you need to live sent here. And obviously we saw last week that that really starts with courageous evangelism, telling other people about Jesus, sharing the gospel with others. But then we want to teach those believers to follow Jesus. That's really what it means to be a disciple. And so, so, so purposeful disciple making is a harvest thing because it's a you thing. When, when you get after this, when you are doing this, it becomes a distinctive of us here as a church. And so I want to show this to you in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, but I want to give you a big idea as you're turning to the text there in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what we're going to learn. You are living sent when you are purposefully making disciples to build up our church. You can do this, okay? You can be a part of this. I want to encourage you with that. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be here in verse 11. Starting in verse 11, let me read this. You follow along. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. He said, and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, I pray that you would um, help us to submit to your word right now. And uh, we, we just love the fact that we get to uh, gather together with believers that believe that this is true, and we want to lift your name high, and, and uh, God, we want to listen to you. And, and I think I could speak for all of us that, that we want our church to grow. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of something that you are doing. And uh, we're, we're, we're um, consciously aware that you're the one that's going to have to grow your church, and yet uh, you want to use us. You want us to be a part of this. And so we're asking that we would be faithful to this. God, all of us want to live on purpose. We want to live on mission. And so I'm, I'm praying that we would see what making disciples looks like uh, for our lives individually so that we as a church are really being faithful to what you've called us to and just recognizing that when we're faithful to that, we just believe you get the glory. And that's our heart's desire, that you would be lifted high. We love you, God. Thank you so much for giving us your word. I pray that you would speak to us even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me give you three uh, encouragements then from this text, all right? I, I really want to empower you uh, to purposefully make disciples, so I'm trying to encourage you this morning. So here, here listen, listen, listen. You have a ministry. You know that? 
you have a ministry. I want to show this to you. Uh, verse 11, uh, he, he, he talks about all of these uh, specific people in the church. He says he gave these, these apostles, these prophets, these shepherds and teachers. These, these people that he's listing here in verse 11, these are gifted believers and leaders in the church who can communicate the gospel, who can uh, communicate the entire word of God. And it says that God has given them. They are gifts from God to the church to do just that, to communicate God's word. And as you look at these people in in verse 11, these are the people that we normally think of when we think about the ministry. Okay, When you think about the ministry, you probably think about Pastors and, 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 and church planters and missionaries, people who, like, this is what they do for a living. It's their vocation. It's their, it's their job. And so when, when we think of, like, church work or, or spiritual work, it's, that's their job, right? I'm a pastor. That's what I get paid to do, right? Well, well, well actually, uh, verse 12, this is my job description according to God, all right? This is really crucial that we get this, that we understand. Here's what I'm supposed to do as a pastor, verse 12. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So God actually expects the pastors and the teachers to equip the saints, to equip others to do the work of ministry. He doesn't say, hey, pastor, uh, you need to do all the work yourself. That's why they're paying you. So if something needs to get done around the church, it's up to you, pal. That's not what he says. In, In fact, my job is really to help you do your job. When, when, when we think about ministry, we normally think that's for pastors, but according to Ephesians chapter 4, that's completely upside down. In fact, it's, it's, um, because of this text right here that Pastor J.D. Greer um, down in, in Durham, North Carolina, uh, he tells his church that, that when I became a pastor, I left the ministry. I actually love that because I think it's time for you to start hearing that the church is not here just to equip you to only do some of the grunt work. Like, like we need you to come and unload the trailer or we need you to pass out goldfish to the preschoolers and, and leave all the, all the big boy ministry issues to the pastors and the elders to handle. Now, as important as all of those serving opportunities are for the mission, it's time that you realize that you have a ministry here. And God wants to use you in some powerful ways to impact people. Like I, I just wish that I could come alongside to some of you and put my hand on your shoulder and look you in the eye. And because of what God's Word says, and because I get this privilege of being your pastor, and I love you, I just want to encourage you that I believe in what God wants to do through you. That you have a ministry here. I'm so glad that you are a part of this church family. And I, I want to encourage you to believe this. You have a ministry. I know some of you uh, struggle with that thought because uh, maybe, maybe you think, um, well, you know, I, I've never been to seminary. I don't really know that much. Or I don't know that I have those gifts. Or I don't really know what, what, what I could do uh, to help. Um, or, 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 or even just the fact that, that my life's a little messy right now. 
and I'm still kind of struggling with some stuff, and I don't think that I can help other people with their stuff until I get all of my stuff uh, straightened out. And so, listen, listen, you have a ministry, and your confidence is not in yourself. It's grace that God would use any of us. None of us deserve this. And yet he wants to use us. He wants to use you. You believe that? And so even if you're feeling a little bit like, I'd like to believe that, but I I don't feel prepared for that. Well, um, all of us really need help to be effective in ministry. And so what he's saying right here is that he has given you pastors, leaders, people in the church to equip you for the ministry that he's giving you. That's part of my job. And so um, we have really structured our process here at Harvest uh, to try to make sure that we're helping equip you for ministry. This is so important that we've tried to keep this simple. We try to keep after this, and we don't want to get sidetracked on this. We try to, ask, try to keep this process so simple and make sure that we're helping equip you to do the work of ministry. And so we're asking everybody to worship, to walk, and to work. hope that's not shocking to you. I hope that you've heard that before, okay? We want everybody to be worshiping Christ and walking with Christ and working for Christ. That's how disciples are going to grow. And, and uh, when, when you worship Christ, we do that together on Sunday mornings. I hope you understand how important it is for us to gather together every single week, not, not just once, not just twice a month, but, but that, that we would start every single week gathering together to declare together that God alone is worthy of our worship. And sometimes we need to reorient our minds and our hearts around that truth, and then we want to get under the preaching of His Word so that we can know Him, so that we can become more like Him. And so there's, there's kind of an expectation here. It's never just another Sunday. We never know what God is going to do. We want to gather together and, and get our minds around how glorious and holy He is, and then we want to get under the preaching of His Word and let Him do His work in our hearts. We want to worship Him. But we also want you to walk with Christ. And so we, we, we want to encourage you in your everyday walk with Christ, and uh, the best way that we can help you to do that is by helping you to plug into a small group of believers that that are going to know you, that are going to commit to loving you and helping you grow, helping you learn how to follow Jesus and making sure that you're cared for. People that know what's going on in your life. We don't don't want anybody falling through the cracks. We want to know, how are you doing? And can we encourage you? And There's some sweet stuff that happens in our small group time when we start to get honest and we start to talk about what God is doing in our lives. It's important that we have that kind of community. And so we want you to be worshiping Christ on Sunday mornings, walking with Christ in small groups. And then we put you to work. And we don't apologize for asking you to volunteer to serve because that actually helps you grow. In fact, this, this word, verse 12, this, this word ministry, the work of the ministry means serving. And in the context, what he's talking about is that, that, that God has given us spiritual gifts. All of us have spiritual gifts. And he says, verse 16, that when, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. So you have a role to play. You have spiritual gifts to use. That just means that you have God-given abilities to serve Christ and serve the church. And, and I know some of you might be thinking, like, I don't even know what those are. Well, the best way to find out how you're gifted is to start serving and watch how God uses you. 
You start serving. You have a ministry to serve this church. And the mission of the church is to make disciples. And so everything that you do to serve helps us do that. But wait, wait, hold, hold, hold on. Everybody look up here. Look up here. Before any of you uh, breathe a sigh of relief, like, like, oh, good, like, I don't, you know, I'm just kind of a, uh, I'm a behind-the-scenes person, so, so I'll just stick to that stuff, and I'll let other people do the, the discipling people stuff. No, 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 the ministry is making disciples. That's the mission, that we would disciple people. Are you discipling people? So what, is, what, what, what does it mean to disciple people? How do you do that? Well, let me give you just like a really easy way to think of it, okay? Discipling somebody means that you are purposefully trying to help them follow Jesus. It means you're purposefully trying to help somebody else follow Jesus. And so, so even if your gifts are kind of like the behind-the-scenes thing, that's not a cop-out so that you don't have to do this. He's given you these gifts so that, so that you can do this. You serve by helping other people follow Jesus. And, and so I just want to encourage, some of you need to hear this. I believe that you have more ministry to do than you are currently doing right now. I want you to hear that as an encouragement, okay? God wants to do more through you because you can help somebody else follow Jesus. And I know some of you just need the encouragement because uh, maybe you don't believe that this is possible, that you're not ready for this, but you can do it. God has called you to do it, and he's equipping you, and he's going to empower you to do this. And so uh, you, you have a ministry. And I want to encourage you, here's the second encouragement, all right? This just leads right into it. Uh, Note this, you can build up the body. You can build up the body. The, The work of the ministry, verse 12, the work of the ministry is for building up the body of Christ, that God uses us to build up the body of Christ as a whole so that we are growing together, but that we're also growing individually as disciples of Jesus, and you play a part in that. God wants to use you to help this church grow. You have a ministry, and you can build up the body of Christ. And the way that you can do that is by purposefully discipling somebody else, helping them follow Jesus. So you got to remember, if, if you run into somebody else's like a, a spiritual issue that somebody else is wrestling with, it's, it's not like, well, well that's, that's the kind of stuff for the elders to handle. That's, that's a Pastor Jeff thing. Like, we're here to help. But, but if all of the, disciple, the discipleship issues are only being handled by the elders, then we're not doing our job, and we are not growing as a healthy church. My job as your pastor is to help disciple you so that then you disciple somebody else who then disciples someone else who then decide, and you see this thing just starts to multiply. Now it's no secret that I'm uh, terrible with numbers and I, I, I have to tap out when Jolie's asking for her math homework help. Um, she's in fifth grade now, which is kind of stretching my capacity. But I do understand this, capa- this, this concept of uh, multiplication, that, that if, 
if I disciple you, and then I disciple somebody else, but you also disciple somebody else, now instead of just three of us, there's four of us. You got that? And then if four of us go out and disciple somebody else, now we're up to eight. And if eight of us go out to disciple somebody else, now we're up to 16, and we're into double digits, so I'm just going to stop right there. You got to get the picture, right? If we're getting after this as a church, I just think about the future of our church. What would happen in our church if each of us took ownership for the growth of our church? What, what, what would happen? Now, now I know that, that it's God's work. He's the one that's got to do a work in us. He's the one that is going to cause the growth, but he has called us to disciple others, to help them Follow Jesus. And so I'm just trying to encourage you here. Listen, if God has sent you here, and you're here, you're here right now. If God has sent you here to Fairfax, he's sent you here to make disciples. And the way that you can do that, the way that you can live sent, is by starting to care about how your brother or your sister in Christ in this church are doing in their relationship with God. That how they're doing matters to you. And then you take the next step of intentionally taking action to help them grow. It really is that simple. You just want to help somebody grow in their relationship with Christ. What it means is that there is someone in this room right now that you can help disciple. You can come alongside of them and help them grow in Christ. And, and it, that's not a prideful thing for you to be willing to do that. It's not like I'm just so much better than you. I need to help you get to a No, it's because I love you. I care for you. I want to help you. And you don't have to, to graduate some class. There's not some curriculum that you have to go through first so that you know all of the answers. You're going to find out a lot of the answers together. And you don't have to have it all together. All of your stuff doesn't need to be taken care of before you start helping somebody else grow in their relationship with Christ. In fact, they, they probably um, need to see that you're growing. You're struggling with some of these things and watching how you are wrestling with these issues and growing. And you don't need to uh, try to put on some uh, official label to this like I am I am now going to commence a discipleship relationship with you. That's kind of weird, and it's not going to be super helpful. But you, what it looks like, is simply choose somebody, and you're going to have to choose somebody, okay, because you have limited time. And let's be honest, if you don't get specific, it's not going to happen. But you look around, and you find somebody that you could help. And say, I, I just want to come alongside of that person, and I just want to intentionally try to help them follow Jesus more wherever they're at. Which means I'm going to have to ask some questions. I'm going to have to get to know them. And what are they struggling with? And how can I help them? And I think you're going to find that this can and probably should be mutual. That as you step out and like, I'm going to, I want to help this person grow in Christ, they're going to help you. And this stuff could be happening if you meet up for coffee. It might, it might happen on play dates. It could happen around the dinner table. It could happen over the phone or uh, on the weekends. I, I would think it would be pr pretty natural if it was somebody that was in your small group, whether that was in the small group time itself or, or outside of that sometime during the week or 
Uh, it could be somebody that you're, uh, you, know, you can tell they're just going through something similar, like you've been there, you understand what they're going through right now, or it might be somebody that's in a completely different stage of life. You don't, maybe you don't have a whole lot of, in common, but help find somebody that you can help follow Jesus. What I'm trying to do is just set the record straight, okay? Listen, um, it's kind of an expectation in our church that you're doing this. I want to encourage you to that. You know, someone's kind of uh, reminded me that um, here at Harvest, it's kind of hard to just come and do nothing. Like, I hope so. I hope that you sense that, like, we're living on mission. And we've got a purpose behind what we're doing and why we're doing it. There's an expectation that you are discipling somebody else. And I, I realized that along the way, um, somewhere you might have gotten or been given the impression that you could just pass that work off to pastors. What I'm trying to do is give it back to you and encourage you with this. You can build up the body of Christ. You say, okay, I uh, hear that, but I have no idea how to do that. How in the world am I supposed to get after that? Well, uh, look at verse 13. I think, I think knowing the goal of what we're going after is going to help you know how to get there, okay? Uh, so we're building up the body of Christ, verse 13. Uh, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So what he's saying is we are growing together in, in oneness of mind in the truth that we believe that we would know Christ. Now come on, tell me, do we have anything that would help us all know Christ and come to the same mind about what we believe? Has God given us anything that might help us in that? Answer? Yeah. We have our Bibles, right? Do you see this? I hope this, I, I know that this might be so obvious, but it needs to be stated that getting into God's Word is crucial for purposeful disciple making. Discipling somebody does not mean that, that you're giving them just your thoughts or your opinion or giving your advice about their situation that they're in. They need to know Jesus better. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're getting into God's Word. So we've got to get into God's Word together. We can start reading Sections of Scripture together and talking about this and, and thinking about what it means for us. Memorizing sections of, of Scripture. Putting this to heart and we're going to get after this. We're going to try to apply this. Talking about what you're learning. Talking about who God is. I just think that the more we have two or more people that are gathered here together uh, with, with, with open Bibles right in front of them. Talking about what they're learning. The more we're going to grow as a church. Now that's the kind of growth that we're after here. But it's not just knowledge, right? Uh, we're, we, we want to grow in this unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. We want to know Jesus. But knowledge needs to lead to maturity. Look at it. Look at, look at the text, verse 13. That we would grow into that knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying is we need to become more like Christ. So maturity, the deep stuff that we get into, is learning to love and, and obey Christ. It's not just, not just filling your head with a whole bunch of Bible facts so that you can uh, ace the Bible trivia. It, it's applying what you know. Taking what you know about God's Word and putting it into action. Applying God's Word to follow Jesus. And why would you do this? Because I love Him. I, I have a heart that, that wants to be obedient. That's the gospel. 
Because Christ has transformed my heart, I love him and I want to be like him. And so when you come alongside somebody to help disciple them, discipling is not just focusing and trying to change somebody's behavior. It's getting into God's word so that they can grow in their knowledge and their love for Christ. And as they grow in their love for Christ, that then changes how they live. Is that clear? We've got to get into God's word together if we're going to grow. And here's why. Verse 14, I think this is really important for you to see this. This is going to raise the stakes just a little bit. Verse 14, he says, so that, purpose clause, here's the reason, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. What he's really trying to help us understand is this. It's time to grow up. We need to grow into maturity. There are too many believers who are immature that have not grown up yet. They're, they're gullible and they don't know and, and have discernment to recognize what's true and what's not. And he gives us this, this kind of scary imagery to help us understand how serious this is. Uh, last month, uh, my family, we, we went for a couple days, we went to Ocean City, Maryland, and it was awesome. We had a great time. We loved being on the beach, and my kids loved playing in the water, and, and uh, so we were down there having a ton of fun. But for whatever reason, that day, uh, the, at, we're, we're right there in the beach. We're trying to get in the water, but those waves were huge. And if the waves are crushing me, then I'm not about to let my, Carissa's not going to let me let the kids get out there too deep into the water. In fact, there was a lifeguard blowing his whistle at another family who was letting their kid get out too far into the deep. Don't let them go out there. Don't let them go down there. They can't handle it. They're not going to make it out there if they get tossed around and they get pulled under the water. And and, and if you're a parent and, and you've done this, you've taken a beach trip and it's been one of those crazy days, by the time you get back, you understand this. Um, you're just really thankful that everybody's safe. But even the thought of what could have happened still freaks you out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I want you to have that feeling and I want you to think about that person that you need to reach out to to try to help them grow. If you don't step in to help disciple them in the truth of God's word, then they are in danger of being taken out by the ways, being, being blown away and capsized by all the conflicting lies and the messages that this world is throwing at them. The hard part is there, there, there is, um, there's probably somebody in here who is listening to uh, some messages right now, some things that they're hearing in their people they're in contact with or in the media or things that they've heard, and they're listening to these messages, and they think it's okay because it sounds right. It sounds kind of close to the truth, but um, they're really in danger of being deceived. And God could use you to help them. You know God's Word, and you could start studying God's Word together. God could use you in that way. And if you knew the stakes, would you get after it? You have a ministry, and you can build up the body of Christ so that we're growing into maturity as a church, and we're not in danger of being deceived, okay? Now, let me, let me give you a, 
The last encouragement, though, I think this is important for us to remember when we're purposefully making disciples. You need to, uh, need to remember this, that your approach matters, okay? It does matter how you are making disciples and how you're approaching them. He says, verse 15, look at verse 15. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love. So, obviously, if you are discipling somebody to grow up into Christ, you're going to have to be speaking the truth. You're going to have to share what God's Word says, and don't be unapologetic about that. Be bold about what God's Word says, but how you do that matters. He says, speak the truth, but make sure that you're doing it in love. God's teaching me some on this one, too. I think it's important for us to remember those of us who really stand and are convicted that God's word is true. And when we recognize that people need this, I think it's important for us to remember that we're not beating people over the head with with God's word. That's not the point, okay? We, We want people to listen because we love them, we care for them, we want what's best for them. We want to see their benefit, okay? We're thinking about their interests, not just our own. I've shared this with you before, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know it. 1 Corinthians 13 is that great love chapter in the Bible. And I think 1 Corinthians 13 actually gives us some really uh, helpful clarification on how uh, to speak the truth in love. So just real quick, I'm just going to give you three reminders from 1 Corinthians 13, okay? Here's how you do this. Love doesn't avoid. Love doesn't avoid. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 6 says it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. We're not happy about sin. We're not happy about that. So, so, so it's not like, well, I, I don't want to be one of those people. You know, I, I, I don't want to be judgy. I don't want to come across means so I'm just not going to say anything. I don't want to. No, 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 no. Love is willing to confront sin. It cares enough to step in and try to deal with this because I know what sin is going to do. I know that this can destroy you. And so uh, I care about you and I care enough to confront sin. Love doesn't avoid, but it's also not abrasive. Love is not abrasive. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 13 says, Love is kind, it is not arrogant or rude, it is not irritable or resentful. Okay, so we're getting, we're getting after it. Uh, we're going to attack the problem, not the person. We do care, we want to confront, but we, we really want to make sure that you are, you're loved, you are taken care of in this, and, and the truth can hurt, but the way that we say it doesn't need to. So it doesn't avoid, love isn't abrasive, and love doesn't abandon. Love doesn't abandon. Love, it says, is patient. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. It means you don't just throw up your hands and give up on people quickly like, I'm done with you. I get, no, 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 no. How has God treated you? See, this is where the gospel starts to bear on how we disciple. I want to show the same patience that God has shown me, right? How many times has he been dealing with the same issue in my life? I want to extend that too. The reality is if, if purposeful disciple-making is going to become a distinctive of our church, 
then we're going to have to learn how to speak the truth to one another in ways that are really loving because he cares. So I, let me just, I'm trying to, trying to encourage you. I'm trying to empower you with this, and I want you to get after it. Who, who is the person in your mind right now that you could come alongside of and you could help them grow? That you could be an encouragement to them. You could step in. Because I just want to try to help you follow Jesus and, and what this looks like. And I realize um, that for some of you, this idea of like one-on-one discipling, like maybe you've not put a whole lot of thought into that. And um, you're hearing this and you're like, I, 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 I want to do that. I just I still don't feel like I know what to do and how to, how to start it. Well, I, I want to I encourage you. I, I actually read a book this week that I found really, really helpful. And I want to recommend it to you, okay? Uh, this is a book by Pastor Mark Dever. He's the pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church right down here in D.C. Love his ministry. So thankful for him. And I found this book to be really, really helpful and very practical on how do I do this and how do I find somebody and, and, and how do I engage in this. And very short, you can read it really quickly. Um, honestly, if you want to get this cheaper, I'd recommend you getting it on the Nine Marks website and all of your small group leaders have the link, okay? I just want to try to... In, uh, equip you and give you some things that might be helpful for you. I, I, what, we're, what we're trying to help you understand is that we, we don't want you to just come as spectators and sit in rows and soak in what's coming off the stage. We want everybody actively participating in circles of believers around our open Bibles and then breaking the huddle to get out there and live sent and to live on mission. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. Are you loving Christ? Are you living sent? You are. This is one of the ways we do it. You are living sent when you're purposefully making disciples to build up the body of Christ and help our church grow. Father, I pray that you would empower us with this. I pray that you'd encourage us. Uh, Some of us just need to hear um, this mission, and and it's stirring in our hearts. It's stirring in our minds somebody, some. an opportunity that we might have to be an encouragement to somebody else. And I know that for some of us, this is something we've not really put a whole lot of thought into. And the more we think about it, the more we think we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do this. But, uh, Lord, we're praying that our church is already, uh, we already have been equipping uh, the body of Christ to get after this together, that we would know your word. We would recognize um, how to tell what is an idol, something that's not pleasing to Christ. And, We already know where to go in Scripture to help someone and encourage them. If nothing else, we can be praying, speaking truth and love and being an encouragement, coming alongside of them and putting our arms around them and and say, I just want to help you follow Jesus. So I pray that you would right now uh, empower us and give us that encouragement that you want to use us to make a difference, that your church would grow. And we just believe that when your church grows, you get the glory. And so we'll give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.